Hello, guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Of course, you know it's me. I'm here every week. Um, <laughs> I've got to explain. Right? I've, uh, I've, been, I've had a busy couple of days um, over the weekend. I've been covering a lot of events. I went to Abbey Fest, uh, the, uh, the the beer festival they had um, at the Abbey um, for Lingen Davis. And I also spent two days at Drawn, the art and design festival that I was in the museum, which were, there were amazing events to do. Um, so walking around with a microphone, doing Vox Pox sort of interviews, Five minutes here, eight minutes there, whatever. They're great. But do you know what I love doing? I love sitting down and just chilling out and speaking to someone. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to speak to Carol Harris. You got in touch with me, a local author. Um, Carol, thanks for joining the show today. Oh, great to be here. Nice to see everybody. Well, not see everybody, but see you at least. <laughs> kind of. This is a... This is a it's kind of catch 22 with, with technology at the moment. We were just having a, a chat because I've just gone and got my booster and this new world we're living in. It's not even new. Two years we've been doing this now, <laughs> this COVID thing. But I feel like uh, technology has helped us sort of meet people that we wouldn't normally get to meet. I could have driven to you today, but I was just like, you know what? It's easy just to just fire up the stream yard, the old stream yard and do it this way. Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful to, to be speaking to you today. Um, so are you, are you Shropshire born and bred or what, where, where do you hail from originally? No, not at all. I was actually born in Reading um, and lived most of my life in London. In fact, my, my father was a GP in the East End a heck of a long time ago, and so I was brought up there and had a couple of spells outside London. And then for the last 30 years, I've lived in Wales, but only just. So we've got a Shropshire postcode, but I'm near Welshpool. You live in Wales by choice. That's interesting. I'm joking. I grew up in Wales. I can say I can say stuff like that. <laughs> so to go from the hustle and bustle of the city to to, mm. to just over the Welsh border there, um, what a transition that is. I mean, how, how long have you been there now? And was it a difficult thing to move into? No, actually, no. I've been here about thirty years, but in fact, I had oh. a spell out 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 of London. Oh, before that, and I was living in Hertfordshire on the Hearts Hertfordshire border in a, in a little village. So I had a little taste of life like that. But, but we came here quite inadvertently. It was, a, it was a weird story because we weren't even thinking of moving. Um, we had a vague idea if we did move at some point, it would probably be north rather than south, west rather than east, near some transport. That was about it. And then we went away for the weekend. And the night before, I went to a meeting in central London and the tube stopped running. So I had to phone my husband to come and pick me up. And while I was waiting for him, I went into the local bunch of a famous news agent and bought a magazine. And there was a picture of a house in it. And it was halfway between the two places we were going for the weekend. And we came and had a look at it and bought it. And that was it. Weird. That's, that's great. Nothing about the area. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it, though. You get to find out everything as you go along. It's, yeah. it's funny how we're all sort of programmed early on in our lives, right? Because, mm. like, I, I mean, I've lived in in kind of big towns i've never sort of lived rural i never lived like properly urban in the city you know um but I, I mean i've been talking to my wife about i'd love to go to the states and work there for a year at least doing a bit of radio and stuff because they over in america they love the british accent and i feel like oh, this is something i do naturally <laughs> do you know what I mean? so, um but like i have this image of like living not in the city but just, you know out in the sticks a little bit like i have this vision but i wonder why why i have this vision of i don't really want to live in a city um, because, you know, it's just not, it's alien to me. I mean, I've been and stayed at cities and stuff like it. It's just a weird, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up, but <laughs> <laughs> I digress. I digress. Um, so you're an author, but I, I mean, I've, I've been reading on your, on your website, which is very, uh, very detailed information about yourself, which is really, really good. Handy if you're doing a bit of research. Um, mm. 
But you're, you're, you've, you've got lots of good. You work with a lot, don't you? you? You've got a lot of experience. Yes, unfortunately, that's what happens when you get very old. You get more experience. <laughs> <laughs> so it just happens. Um, but the thing is, I, I, I get waylaid by ideas. So if an idea crosses my path, I tend to follow it, you know. And the books aren't mostly, they're not planned. You know, occasionally yeah. they are. But, but along with anything else, jobs haven't been planned. Uh, where we live hasn't been planned. It's they've just happened. I feel like um, it takes a like when, when we when we talk about life experiences. I mean, we've spoken to uh, Ron Morgan came on the show. He's a good friend of our show, mm. and he's a local author. And you know, he wrote almost, almost like his biography, kind of his his experiences mm. through the industry of uh, travel and tourism you know yeah. uh, re reliving the, the past and stuff like that and there's a lot of people that will, will live through those experiences and not want to or need feel the need to document it and stuff which is where people like you come in you know it's kind of like i've got this experience i've done this before let's share the share the the uh, the uh, my experience with people maybe help people move forward right it's good yeah uh, having said that most of the books aren't anything to do with with me or my life they're, they're mostly the business books yes and a lot of them are based on something called nlp which some of your some of your viewers may have heard of it's called it's neuro linguistic programming yeah i was and going to ask you about that i was going to it's written down here it's, well, it, 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 it's, it's a mouthful but really it's something that originated from and actually came out of therapy and the idea was to see whether you could take somebody who's very good at what they do and break it down into component parts and teach it to somebody else and see if they could get similar results. So it's used nowadays in things like sports. I mean, I, I doubt any top sports person doesn't use it. Um, health, education, and a lot in business. And I, I used to chair the Association for NLP, and a lot of my books are business books based on NLP, so different aspects of business. And it's it's I suppose there's a number of things that it does. One One is it helps people identify what goes on in their mind. And, you know, people will say, oh, I had an idea. And they think, oh, it's an idea. But actually, it's got a structure. And if you, if, if you talk to them about it, help them analyze it, there's component parts. They might be picturing something. They might be hearing something. They might be hearing their own voice. Their voice will have a tonality. It'll have a speed. It'll have a, a rhythm. They might be hearing other people. Of course, this is all in their imagination. But nonetheless, it's there. And what happens is if people have a positive experience, they have one kind of set of things. If they have a negative experience, they have another. But you can help them make changes from one to another. And then another thing you can do with it is the middle bit, which is linguistic. And that's about understanding people through their language. It's not about the actual words they use, but the patterns to those words and the direction of them. And you can you can work out people's motivational patterns. Really useful in business if you're doing things like negotiating or selling or team building, um, anything of that sort. Really useful. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but it came from real life. It's not a theoretical or academic discipline. It's a shame about the long name, but it's really about... <laughs> What do people actually do if they're successful? And how to get there, more importantly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> And how to get there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all have these ideas, and it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to sort of filter out what's important and what isn't, right? Mm. So yeah. uh, is, yeah. this about, is this about understanding your own ideas or, or helping people to understand theirs? Because that's important, isn't it? Well, it's interesting because it's not so much about understanding 
but recognizing. So we, we follow patterns in what we do. It's not analytical. It doesn't say, why do you do what you do? It says, what do you do? How could you change it if you want to change it? So it's about going into the nitty-gritty of, of a particular pattern that somebody runs. You know, it might be how do you make a cake? It might be how do you how do you run a race? It might be how do you get to sleep at night? You know, what if you do? I mean, any of those things. And there will be a pattern to it. So once you work out what that is, you can decide if you like it. If you don't like it, you can change it. So this is um, this is how management sort of wonder whether we're going to go on and and make it in a, in a new job that we do or where we start something new, right? It's how right? some some of them do. Yes, if they know about it, yeah, quite possibly. A heck of a lot don't know about it. And very often it's it's either gut feel or else it's tests, you know, sort of um, question-answer tests, all sorts of things that, that look at aptitudes and attitudes and so on. But actually there's not really any substitute for saying here's an actual individual how does that person function yeah are they suited to something um how can we relate to them effectively how can we understand ourselves better if, if i'm teaching any of these things the first thing i do is to teach people self-observation self-awareness because if you don't know what you're doing it's very difficult to make a change to relate to anybody else or or, or really just to know where you're at Hmm. It really is interesting. I mean, I, hmm. you know, I've, I've had discussions before about um, about the ac academics and you know the sort of value of testing and, and exams and things because you can hmm. throw someone into an exam environment and they could do terrible, yeah. but they're actually really intelligent, you know. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's um, it's a, it's a, that's a podcast in itself, I think. You know, <laughs> uh, it certainly, <laughs> it certainly is. Mm. <laughs> but even then, you see, there's things you can do because if somebody, let's say, somebody's really unhappy about exams. You can get, you can help them develop a strategy for feeling more comfortable. Right? It doesn't give them knowledge. It doesn't enable them to write better or to spell well. Well, actually, there is a spelling strategy, but that's something else. But if they can actually feel comfortable while they're doing an exam, it makes a huge difference. So there's there's lots of things you can do like that. Amazing, I love that. Let's let's talk about sort of how you how you've gathered all this knowledge over the years. I mean, career paths that you've chosen. Um, what would you say your most valuable sort of career paths have been um, in your life? Where, you know, where have you worked that you think you've you you know what did you do in your earlier life where you've been able to gather enough information to be able to write books about these things? Well, I think it's about a mix of things because I have done lots of different things. But one of, I've only got one of my books, which isn't a how-to book, and that one is 150-odd things that have happened to me during my life. And one of them is actually about my first job, and that was with in the motor industry. It was with Vauxhall Motors in Luton, as it was then. And my first day at work, had to go to the personnel department, no clue where it was. Vauxhall was like half the town, so it was a huge place. So I was walking on the street. And no idea where to go. So I stopped somebody and said, uh, do you know where the personnel department is? And he said, oh, yeah, it's through there and pointed. So I followed where it was pointing and it was the men's loo. Uh. So I mean, that, that was the start of my working life. But the point is, if you can't, if you can't look at things with a bit of humour, I think it's hopeless and humour is really important to me. But after that, I did a mix of things. So I, I worked in, in the public sector, private sector. I worked for management college. I was one of the directors of the Arts Council. 
in London. I've and I've run my own businesses for about thirty years. So I think it's a mix of things. But there's a little saying: you you can have you can have thirty years experience, or you can have one year's experience thirty times. Yeah. And if somebody does the same thing all their life, and this isn't about, you know, it's a bad thing to do the same thing, but if you don't look at it differently, take anything different from it, um, see different things in it, you, you're really going round in circles. So I think part of, of you know, say, how do you get the experience? It, it's have, being exposed to a variety of situations and hopefully learning from some of them, not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> It's about putting yourself out there, isn't it? You know, and mm. I feel like, um, you know, they, 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 I hear a lot of talk about, you know, sort of people wearing the heart on their sleeves and how that can be sort of dangerous. But I feel like it's a really exciting thing. It's a brave thing to do, to be like, hi, I'm Alex, I'm the Shrewsbury Biscuit, uh, and uh, I'm going to talk to you here. I'm going to come to these events. We're going to do this amazing event. We're going to do this. People are looking at you then, and they're expecting the things to come out of what you've said or, you know, um, mm. so... It's, it's kind of brave to be able to go up there and be like, I'm going to try this now. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that. And then be like, I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> Everybody's looking at you and they're like, oh, let's, let's see if, uh, let's see what Carol's got. Let's see if what she's written is accurate. And so, you know, what's that like? Well, I think you have to understand about writing. Now, a question I get asked very, very often is how do you discipline yourself to write? Okay. It's the wrong question. If you're a writer, it's an addiction. Yeah. It, the, the, the difficulty is stopping yourself doing it. So so my first books, so-called, well, I, I was probably five or six years old. So I've always written. So it's not let's write a book about something. It's um, – I'll, I'll give you a current example. I've been doing posts on LinkedIn, and I started doing some a few months ago about business, so they're business tips. They're nothing to do with my business. It's just here are some things – that are useful in business. And I don't actually think the world needs another business book, but there are lots of people who haven't any business experience. And I thought, well, actually, little tips could be useful. So if they then want to find out more about it, go and go and look at the, the stuff on the internet, do a course, read a book, anything. It's out there. So I started doing this series, and it was just, here's some little ideas. Now, they're all conversations between me and inanimate objects around my house. <laughs> okay, I love that. So, <laughs> yeah. And they were never going to be a book. It was just some posts. And then people started saying, are these going to be a book? Or when's the book coming out? So I thought, well, actually, I haven't written them anyway. They may as well be a book. So they will be early next year. And then literally a couple of weeks ago, I thought, I think there should be a companion to this. So I decided to do another book, which is about, well, will be about personal effectiveness. And that's going to be conversations between me and food. And there'll be recipes in it as well. So there'll be tips about being effective and a picture and a recipe. So it's it's not that I go looking for things to do. I kind of they just they just happen. You really struck me there when you said it's like an addiction. And I feel mm. like that goes to it's the same for anything that you enjoy doing, you know? Yeah. Um I I, I the best way to put it is I hurt myself at times when I'm kind of like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Let's fill up my schedule. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. I'm going to record. I'm going to edit. I'm going to do a lot of stuff because then I burn myself out. But this is because I enjoy, I love doing this, this yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And this is, I guess it's the same with, with writing because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, 
it's a huge commitment to write a book you know so once you've started the ball rolling you know you kind of got to see it through right <laughs> yes <laughs> but, if but if you decide you don't like it you can dish it does that happen a lot then have you have you started writing a book at all and gone no actually halfway through this but i just don't care about it anymore Has that uh, on, only only once only once and that was actually when covid happened and i thought i'm going to keep a, a diary and i'm also going to keep a record of what we eat so it's going to be a kind of a recipe book so here's what happened today and here's what we ate and here's the recipe for it and i got so bored with it after about three weeks that i gave it up <laughs> So it never happened. I had a title for it and a structure and everything, and I just did, just couldn't rake, rake up the enthusiasm for it. And I think that's because I'd kind of planned that one. I'd thought, how about writing a book on this? So when they've actually just happened, it's not an issue because it's something that interests me and I do it. And that one was an idea, and it, it obviously wasn't the right strategy for me. It's really interesting, though. But I think, that's, but I think that's important because people very often get stuck mm. in things. And even if they're really enthusiastic about them to start with, if they lose interest, there's no point. And I talk a lot to, to youngsters about entrepreneurship. And one of the things I say to them is find something you enjoy because it's hard enough getting out of bed in the morning anyway, let alone to do something that you can't bear. So find something you enjoy. You can always make a business out of something, but you can't always make yourself enjoy something you dislike. What about uh, trying to reignite the passion then for something that you're very good at? It's your vocation. It's what you're born to do, but you're in mm. a you're in a stale situation. I mean, I've found that recently. Yeah. Um, uh, we did a, a, a charity event um, in the summer uh, called Pod Aid. It was a 24 hour podcast. It took a whole year to plan. We did it. It was a tw it was it, it was so draining. And me and my entire team, we just literally just we lost any sort of desire to go out there and make things again. I mean, I carried on with the biscuit and stuff, but inside yeah. I was dying. I was just like, oh, I need a break. But like there's this motor inside me that can't stop. How do you, how do you reignite the flame when you, when you've lost that passion? Well, I think first of all, recognize it's happened. I mean, I, I got three books out for Christmas last year and I said, I'm not going to do any books this year because I had enough of doing them. <laughs> Uh, of course, that didn't happen, but but that that, that was the plan. I, th I think one of the things is if you've got any control over it, try not to let yourself get to that point. Now, that's easier said than done because if you're really immersed in something, it can be really hard to stop. But if you can recognise the signs, it's really useful. And it's things like losing concentration and sort of fidgeting and feeling tired and, and, and you know, wanting to have a drink or go to the loo the whole time. There's all sorts of things. And it's our body giving us signals that actually we need a break. Yeah. If you ignore that, you stop getting the signals. Then yeah. it becomes a problem, or at least you don't notice the signals. So I think if you can intercept it, if you can even stop and do little things, even if it's just a couple of times a day, take 10 minutes and do something completely different. Because yeah. your, your mind will realise it's a break. Yeah, yeah. I think it's and a I starting point. I feel like, I mean, I always talk about uh, sort of self-investment being little things mm. like holidays um, yeah. or, you know, a break or an hour on the PlayStation if it's your thing. Uh, go for a walk, yeah. like you said, or go shopping. Or, yeah. you know, Because, right. yeah, it sort of re reignites those synapses that will eventually create creativity. And also as well, yeah. there's this thing I was, I was looking at before about um, laziness. Um mm that laziness doesn't actually exist. 
it's a type of depression. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting topic that I would love to cover actually on a proper podcast. Um, mm. But like, I feel like if something, if you, if you are not willing to do something, it just doesn't interest you. You've yeah. got to find that thing that interests you that, that creates a bit of passion and, you know, maybe a bit of a uh, bit of momentum. Um, mm. So, if oh, absolutely in- agree. Um, sometimes I teach time management. Um, one of the things I say to people is if there's been something on your desk, on your computer, on your phone or whatever that, that really you, you should have dealt with and, it, and it's been there for a week and you've had some time but you still haven't done it, that is not a time management issue. It's a motivation issue. It's sending you a message that you don't want to do it. And yeah. I think you should pay attention to that message. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes you you got to try and take the plunge. I mean, I was just talking today about because um, uh, I, I lost a bit of weight doing the keto diet, which was fantastic. Um, but we've we we stopped it, and I put weight back on, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, why have I done this again to myself? <laughs> That's what we do, right? Um, but I was chatting to someone who's very uh, fit and healthy, runs marathons, uh, you know, these ten k things. I was like, it's really frustrating <laughs> for me because I want to go out and I do want to do a ten k run, and I mention it on the show quite a bit. But I can't find the motivation to go out running, um, so I need to take that plunge eventually at some point and be like, this is a leap of faith. I'm just going to go out and run. And then once I've done that run, I might feel that that kind of satisfaction. So like, you know, when it you need to how do you motivate yourself to do something you you uh-huh. don't now, want to do now one of my books you can see it no you can't see it there you can, oh, i'm going the wrong way you can see it anyway <laughs> <laughs> i can't get used to being my, my camera's reversed itself so it's yeah, a bit it's, odd today it's, it's there, all the way around there's a well I'll tell you what here we go right hey. it's there it is. It's a book I wrote. Now, <laughs> um, I wrote that 20 years ago, but I've updated it last year. For the, 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 the audio listeners home, it's, it's a book called Think Yourself Slim. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, but it is not a diet book. It hasn't got meal plans in. It's nothing like that. It's simply about how to motivate yourself. And you could use the same process for all sorts of other things. And Basically, what's in the book is, is different little questionnaires that people can, can fill in. And now I'll give you a tiny example. Sometimes people say, if you're trying to lose weight, put a photograph on your fridge. Oh, okay. Now, the thing is, for some people, that photograph should be of themselves looking really good, the best they've ever looked. For other people, it should be the photograph of them looking the worst they've ever looked. The same thing won't motivate everybody. So when when you understand what your own motivational patterns are, it's very much easier to stick to a program. So it doesn't matter if it's weight management; it could be it could be running, it could be anything, it could be anything at all. But it's about understanding how you can motivate yourself. You know, it's it's it, motivation isn't a thing that you can't go out and buy a pound of motivation. You have you have to you have to create it. And if you understand your own patterns, it's much easier. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is what I mean. I've drawn um, Joshua James, an amazing photographer, went around and took pictures of everybody. And there's lots of pictures of me in action with a microphone, <laughs> speaking to lots of amazing people. By the way, uh, everybody at Drawn, you're all amazing. Thanks for chatting to me. Um, but there, <laughs> there are a few unflattering angles of mine that I, 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 I'm getting to the point now where I just don't care anymore. So I'll just share the pictures and I'll be like, hey, this is this yeah. is just me, right? Um, but yeah. there's there, there is a situation, there is something inside me that says, you need to do something about this boy. You need to do so, like, yeah, putting the picture up there, reminding yourself um, what you can do. Um, very important advice, I think. 
Um, so that would work for me is uh, looking at the, the disgusting version of me yeah. wanting to get away from that. That's what would work for me. Um, and it, it's it's uh, something that I saw in, in, you know, you see in movies all the time, where Rocky, uh, like Rocky will put a picture up of his opponent on his mirror. So when he's brushing his teeth, he'll be like, I'm going to destroy you or something, you know? <laughs> Very important. Um, yeah. yeah. What's, the, uh, what's, the, what's the first book you ever wrote that you kind of sold? Um, and you were like, I am an author now. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's a band you can see. On, I think it's on the left of the screen. It says NLP. And it's gone through three different incarnations. And that one's called NLP Made Easy, which is the current one. So that came about because an old friend of mine who, I mean, she was a friend, we'd worked together and so on. Um, she was asked to write a book and she's dyslexic and she got a bit panicked. So she asked if I could do it. So that's how that one came about. And I wrote that really according to what the publisher wanted. So that the structure of that book wasn't probably the way I'd have structured it. But see, in those days, writing and publishing was very different because what happened then is publishers would come to you and they'd give you money to write things. So, I mean, it still happens, but not, in that, not quite in the same way. But that book's been in print for over 20 years and has done really well. But it didn't come, as with the other things, it didn't come about because I thought I need to write a book. It was because somebody else didn't do it and got handed to me. That's uh, that's how the biscuit was created, Carol. Yeah, was it? <laughs> I was like, there's got to be a bazillion shows about uh, Shrewsbury yeah. podcasts and stuff, and I looked and yeah. there were none. And I thought, this is my opportunity, so yeah. I snuck in there and we yeah. have the Shrewsbury biscuit now. Um, do do you uh, do you have a start a project? Um, get kind of stuck on it, move to something else, and then vi- revisit things. No, no, no. I have a very simple writing strategy. I, I decide if it's a business book. Well, if it's a non-fiction book, which they all are, apart from one, then what I tend to do is decide on a subject, decide on the main areas decide on some subsections and then just write it. And I edit in my head so that when it's done on paper, that is it. I write about a thousand words, uh, about a thousand words an hour. And that's it. It's, it's, it, it's done. I hardly edit. I will reread it in case there's typos, but I very rarely change anything. That's now, fantastic. Th- I love that work ethic. That's fantastic. Right, but, but now that is nonfiction. I've got three books, which are educational books for children. Yes, I see that. So there's one about ecology, one about health, and one about making friends. And those were very different because I'm not a fiction writer. And I've never really had any interest in writing fiction. But there were topics that I wanted to get across, and I thought it'd be very tedious if if (laughs) it's just about this subject. So I put a story around them, and they're all animals talking to each other about quite quite serious things or important things. But I think they're quite fun, it's quite a fun story. But the story wrote itself. I had no idea where that story was going. I knew the subjects I wanted to get in. So I had a list of, say, 20 topics. And that was it. Then I just started and it went where it went, which surprised me because I'd never written anything in that way before. Um, yeah, and this, this this is one of the books here. It's um, Adventures of, yes. of Mere Flat, How to yes. Be a Good Friend. Um, yes. And actually... Lovely- that, that is actually an NLP book, although it doesn't say so. It's got a lot of NLP techniques in, but made really, really simple. So like, like self-observation. 
kind of hiding the broccoli behind something on a, on a, on a kid's plate, yeah. <laughs> making yes, sure right. they get their greens. <laughs> yeah, but there's, but there's lovely pictures in it too, which I didn't do. I have have somebody who who, who did the pictures, and she was superb. Um, I'm trying to find it now, but um, I went to the cinema uh, last week, and this is mm. this sounds like digression, but it's really important. Um, mm. And we went to watch Encanto, which is uh, which is an amazing story of a movie about um, a Colombian family. My wife, being Colombian, was like, "Oh, we need to go and watch this film." So we mm. did, and took my mother-in-law. It was fantastic. But before the movie, there was this beautiful. Um, you know, sometimes they do like a, a mini sort of movie before the actual movie, and it's a, mm. a story about um, raccoons. And it was about um, the the mother raccoon would be really horrible to the other raccoon to try and keep it safe. Mm. And they show its scars and be like, look, there's a wolf over there. And that's what happened to me. Don't do that. And then it shows the next generation. And then, and and it was like how, how things got hot were hard for, for the first mother raccoon, kind of difficult for the, um, for the next one and then for the next one there, there will be no scars because they've just learned these lessons as they go through mm. um and i feel like they 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 taught a very very important um lesson there about intergenerational connections mm. very sneakily and in a very beautiful way so telling a story like mm. l- like this uh, in a way that, that kids will not be threatened by the sort of uh the academic sort of subject that it is um, and they, you know, they learn a lesson from. It. I think it's a very clever technique. Very clever technique. Well, hopefully, but there is also a lot of information in them too. And some of it, it, it surprises. Well, perhaps it shouldn't surprise me. The one before that was about health, and I used to do a lot of talks. I, I did some talks at Shrewsbury Library before COVID about about various things. And one of them, I think, was about health. And the interesting thing is, there's things in that book about, for example, gut bacteria or blue light. And the parents didn't know about them. Sometimes, sometimes the children did. And in fact, I was doing doing a talk at Oswestry Street Library, and I said, "Does anybody know about blue light?" And there was one boy, must have been about seven or eight, I think. And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, that resets your body clock." And I thought, grief. No, wow. The parents, the parents didn't know. <laughs> so yeah. there, there is some serious stuff in there, but because it's put across in a fairly light-hearted way, hopefully it gets absorbed. Um, I found the, uh, the 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 Pixar film. By the way, it's called um, "It's Far from the Tree." I've got a still. Oh, okay. It's it's beautiful. Oh. If, you, if you get a chance to watch it, it'll be on Disney Plus at some point. Oh, it's show, okay. that, mm. show that to you, show that to you, to your kids. And it's yeah. very important, isn't it, to listen to to what the kids are saying? Like you said, you know, sometimes kids will know more about a subject than you will. They, mm. these, these little these little creatures, they they got brains like sponges, and they they take up everything. Mm. So it's when they're young to try and teach them these 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 uh, really important lessons but in a way that's palatable and easy for them to understand uh, yeah. and, and you know how is that i mean going from writing sort of almost adult books or you know guidance mm. books switching from that professional setting to a children's setting how was that as a process for you it was okay because on the whole i write for myself now i don't mean that I don't want other people to read the books or buy the books. I don't want them to be successful. But on the whole, I write something that interests me. Because if I'm not interested in it, I don't know how I'm going to interest anybody else. So with the kids' book and the um, books and the one one that I did about various things that have happened over the years, I, I just tried to make them amusing because I can't bear being bored. I have a very low boredom threshold and I don't want to bore myself. So if I could do something that I'm amused by, hopefully it works. 
So I, I don't think I don't think it's very different from other things that I do. Although I haven't done children's books, it, the, the process sort of fitted with who I am. I like that. I love that. I'm a colourful person, so let's put a bit of that into the things I make. <laughs> I love that. Um, this, this actually um, it reminded me of a of a scene from a, a sitcom called Big Bang Theory. It's very popular. Mm. It gets a lot. Of, it gets a lot of stick for being um, stereotypical, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a really beautiful scene, and uh, one of my favorite characters of, of all time mm. is Sheldon Cooper because he's got those Asperger's syndromes and uh, mm. symptoms, should I say? And you know, mm. he's a very difficult person. But he's in a in a children's kids book, uh, yeah. uh, children's bookshop, and he picks up a kid's book and how to make friends, and he mm. understands it, and he looks at it, and he's like, "Oh, this makes sense to me." That is that's actually a really beautiful sentiment in a throwaway scene in a in a sitcom. People just there to laugh at, um, you know, because there are some some languages and some uh, ways of understanding things that you wouldn't always normally go to. An adult yeah. wouldn't go to a kids' book like yours to learn how to make friends, yeah. but they might find some value in it. Well, there's yeah. there's a whole movement uh, called kid adults, so kids adults. And it's adults effectively interested in things for kids. And why should they only be for kids? Yeah, no. I mean, so, uh, I'm, I'm an advocate of that. I love reading my comic mm-hmm. books. There's a whole shelf there full of comic books behind me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love that sort of thing because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like I said, it's palatable, you know. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to want to pick up a John Grisham novel and sit down and curl up. And Some people enjoy that genuinely. That's amazing. Yeah. Some people like looking at the pictures and things, you know. Uh, my lad's oh, starting to starting to read comic books and stuff now he's six mm. you know what i mean yeah yeah i love that um, that's great what's the feedback been like then for 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 your your children's books have people enjoyed it have you done some read-alongs of you know how's it gone for you yeah they seem to be quite popular um and i think the adults like them too a lot of lot of parents seem to be reading them to the kids and um one or two schools locally uh, they've been one of them they've they been reading extracts and one of them at assembly in the mornings one of the primary schools so, um, yeah, the reception's really been, been good. Nice. I like that. Mm. I like that. Um, I love reading to my kid. I love it. And I don't do it as much mm. anymore because we're trying to encourage him to read mm. himself. I would, we much prefer now to pick up a mm. book and get him to read it rather than, I like doing all the silly voices and stuff, you know, <laughs> I kind of miss well, that. The, well, the answer then is you get two copies and you each read one bit, you know, if it's two people talking, each take one bit. <laughs> I like that. I really like that. <laughs> you can share idea. it. It's a great idea. Um, now, so a bit about you as a person, because I, I, I've looked at um, like the little bits on your Facebook, and under the freebie section, um, there's a, a thing called Christmas, the Christmas tip sheet. I was reading through this um, sort of an hour ago, and I was just kind of mm. like, these are amazing tips like um, about how to get through Christmas. And uh, there were a few things I picked up. Um, mm. One was obviously, um, you know, have some activities for the children uh, or guests and, you know, prepare your food in advance, get enough sleep. Very important. And um, obviously a really important one is uh, switch off your devices an hour before mm. you go to bed and switch off your phone. We're talking about blue light, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's really important. To, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, you can answer that if you need to. No, no, it's that. okay. It'll ring seven times. Then it'll stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, take again, invest in yourself, making sure you get enough sleep so you get through the uh, the, the festive period. And there's an, an interesting point here: is uh, avoid it all and go away for a few days. 
Where'd you, where'd you, <laughs> where'd you come with this advice here? Is this from life experience or what other people have told you? Or? No, I, uh, no, I don't think I'd go away at Christmas, actually. But I think what happens is people get stuck in things. And they we talked about this a bit earlier, uh, and, and they don't have a break. Now, actually, your brain only needs a short break, even if it's half a minute, a couple of minutes, it, it makes a difference. But for some people, if they can't cope, and, and Christmas can be quite a difficult time for a lot of people, actually just getting away might make a difference. It might be something they haven't tried before. But just get out of your usual routine and environment and do something that's a complete change can make a difference. But otherwise, you can do it at home. Lock yourself in a room for a couple of hours. Don't notice. If somebody bangs on the door, ignore them. Just just have a break. I love a good movie it marathon, helps. me. A good movie marathon. I said to my yeah. wife, we yeah. should do all the, all, the, all, all of Daniel Craig's um, Bond movies. Because I've just watched the new one, which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was like, let's do that. And she's like, I don't really like James Bond. I was like, yes, but this is the point, right? You're going to rewire your brain too, like James Bond. As <laughs> 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 yeah, we say, no, you, we're going to watch these films. <laughs> we have ways of making you enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate that. And there's a, a lot of talk about the, about the the dreaded elf on the shelf at the moment, a lot on social media about that. So uh, for, for the older older folks that aren't aware what the elf on the shelf is, is this little elf toy. Uh, and what you, the idea is that every night you create a scenario that the elf has got itself into, you know, making uh, air, uh, snow angels of flour on the side or eating one of mommy's chocolates out of the advent calendar. And you have to do it. And it's 24 nights of torture for these these parents because they have to come up with a new scenario every night. And it's really draining for these. these and it's a perfect example of repeating something over and over and over again and not yeah. letting your brain reset, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Actually, you know, there's a little little way you can get around that, and that is to pretend you're somebody else and to think, how would that person do it? It's, it's a useful technique for all sorts of things. But even if it's the elf, you know, how, how would, how would, well, I'm not going to mention names, but, you know, your favourite or least favourite person, how would they deal with it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there are different ways of looking get at it. Get them things. to do it. Mm. you don't have to be so linear people think outside the box I wrote down some interesting facts about you as well um, that you enjoy fencing I think that's really interesting mm. so, so don't oh, miss I met, the Carol guys well, <laughs> I, met my, I met my husband at a fencing club we had cross swords and our wedding cake oh nice that's lovely mm. so um, yeah, how often do you, do you break out, break out uh, the foil is it foil it's a foil isn't it the fencing oh, well there's three different there's foil epee and sabre haven't done it for some time, actually, but we used to run a fencing club in our village. Cool. Um, and and actually, I was I, I should show you something. No, I can't. Can't because <laughs> I can't reach it. I can't reach it. <laughs> but we had a talk yes, yesterday about the Much Wenlock Olympics because they preceded the modern Olympics and they have have games each year. I have I have an Olympic medal, but it's from Much Wenlock. Nice. Nevertheless, I like it. I'm going to write down, and the write down for this episode, and we're like, Olympic medal winning Carol Harris. (laughs) 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 I love that. And and you've got pigs as well. You keep keep pigs? I haven't now, but I used to, yes. Um, In fact, I only wanted a couple of pet pigs, and the only way the rare breeds survive is actually by being bred for food, which is sad, but they would die out otherwise. 
So I had a number of years of, of breeding pigs. And in fact, behind me, which people listening won't be able to see, one of my books is about pig keeping. Now, see, that, it was odd how that one came about because a, a very old friend of mine um, was a graphic designer and he was superb. He illustrated Pam Ayer's books and he did lots of corporate stuff and all sorts of things. Anyway, I thought one day it'd be quite nice if we did a joint book about pigs and I thought I could do some text and he could do the illustrations. Now, it's the only time I've ever gone to a publisher suggesting a book. So I found a publisher who did um, books about farming and said, would you be interested in, in a funny book about pigs? And they said, no, humour doesn't sell. Will you write us a proper book about pigs? And I said, I don't think I've got the experience. Yes, you can. So I did. So I think it was the best-selling pig book that they had. <laughs> but it's got funny stuff in as well. So, yeah. yeah. But the uh, pigs are superb. And we had, we had um, Tamworths and... Uh, Berkshire and a couple of Cooney Coonies and the piglets are superb, really funny. They're really and nice. Much, and much more intelligent than dogs. I've heard that they're really intelligent mm. pigs. Uh, very yeah. sociable as well. We went to uh, a place yes. in Barmouth. In the summer, we went to St. Barmouth, and there's this little zoo place, like a pet and zoo place. Mm. I don't always agree with pet and zoos, but I was like, it was a drizzly day. We were kind of like, what can we yeah. do? We'll go to the... And they had their pigs there. And you can walk up to the pen, and they come up to you to say hello, and you can stroke oh, yeah. them. I love them. They're fantastic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, one of the things in one of my books is, not, not the pig book, but one of the others, is I, I did a photograph, I think, of one of my pet pigs, hair we cut a bit of your hair off and i think it was about 15 inches long people think pigs are bald and this had hair about what what is that centimeters about 40 centimeters anyway quite long wow. long hair wow. yeah. mm. um very glamorous pig <laughs> and get hair and <laughs> yeah and you get curly coats as well so okay. all sorts of things what's uh what's next for you carol is there something you're working on at the moment that you want to tell people about well, there's a couple of books that will be out next year. I say one on business and one on personal effectiveness. So, in terms of writing, I mean, I do lots of other stuff apart from writing. But in terms of the writing, that those are those are the current things. If if people want to actually see them, if they if they go to LinkedIn, they can see my posts. And if they want to, I've got a, a free newsletter, or they can just check out my website. And there's a freebie section. And I quite often, I've just started putting up things that are extracts from some of the books or the posts and so on. I'm on so the website now. It's, it's carolharris.uk. Um, so check out the website. It's very good, actually. Lots of information there. And you, there's, uh, there's links there to all the books as well. Um, mm. Do you, do you uh, predominantly use sort of like Amazon and things like that, or do you like to send out to independent booksellers? Um, all the early books went through conventional bookshops, uh, yeah. book, book producers, yeah. publishers. So they were very different. The, the, the later ones are self-published on amazon yeah and yeah. one of them is about business networking which is pretty topical at the moment because there's so much networking gone online Oof, and that's it, that's so that's that is well maybe i know people won't be able to see that but, but that's that's this one yeah we've got the picture of it there as well oh, oh it's yeah, a bit blurry well a bit blurry but um oh probably... yeah yeah and that, that's got things about networking but also about memory training and about appearance and you know all kinds of things so yeah Amazing. there's other things Amazing. that other things planned, but that, that's 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 the writing, writing bit. Hmm. I, well, I've really enjoyed to, talking to you because you, you know I've spoken to authors, and I love. By the way, I love speaking to any author, any artist, any musician because you guys do what I can't. I can't. I can't. 
I can't center myself or focus on a book for two. I've been up inside my head. It's not a great place to be. That sounds makes me sound really sinister, but it's it's very difficult for me to be up there and sort of thinking too much. You know, what I mean, I like to vocalize what I'm thinking about. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, mm. So well, I, I go on. Sorry. Well, well, it does. However, if you absolutely want to write a book, just say it, record it. Then get it on paper or get somebody else to put it on paper for you. Oh, you don't okay. actually have to write or type. Oh, it's a good you idea. Speak it. I saw that on, um, you can do it on Word, can't you? You can like mm. click it with like uh, speech to text. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. I was walking down a dark alley. <laughs> I saw Carol Harris and I heard, on guard. And there she was. Fencing <laughs> 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 foil. <laughs> I reached for a drain pipe. That's all I had to hand. <laughs> Well, there's a wonderful start. You could change the names and nobody would know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm God. Um, (laughs) You're amazing. You really are amazing because you you offer um, a good bit of motivational uh, sort of uh, experience there for people. Sometimes people need to kick up the backside or a bit of gentle encouragement. And I feel like you offer that across the the broad broad sort of spectrum there. Um, So thank you for for getting in touch and thank you for coming on the show. I, I yeah, I'd love to. When you've got a book, your next book out or something, I'd love to, you know, give it a read and get you back on. We'll talk about it. No, that'd be great. great. It'll be sometime in the spring, probably sooner right. rather than later. But I'm not promising a date. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Um, well, guys, um, this is going to go out. Oh gosh, oh, it's going to go out after the fact. Um, I'm, there's lots going on at the moment. That uh, there's lots of people getting in, in touch with me about events. I've Shrewsbury sort of erupted over the uh, over the, this sort of festive period or before. There'll be like three or four events happening at the same time. And unfortunately, it's just me and Amy at the moment. And so I can't get everywhere at the moment. So there's a lot of events that we're covering past tense. You know, uh, so we'll 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 probably talk about how an event has has, has gone. Maybe we'll turn up at the event, which obviously will be created and released afterwards. Um, so pay attention to what's going on, um, and uh, if you have an event coming up that you would like us to cover, please get in touch with us um, because we we will try and be there as best we can. Um, Carol, thank you so much for, for for speaking to me, guys. Make sure you you uh, take a look at Carol's website. These books, think yourself slim there, um, and the adventures of Mere Flat there, children's book and how to make friends, and the network for uh, for success that we just mentioned. Lot of, lots of amazing books. All right, we'll get out of here, Carol. Let's go now. I'm going to have a bacon sandwich for brunch. It is brunch now. <laughs> no, that sounds good. Excellent. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so where's that video? All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Peace out.